Hello, welcome to the Proskauer Brief, Hot Topics on Labor and Employment Law. I'm Tony Ancidi, and I'm here today with my partner, Kate Gold. On today's episode, we're going to discuss California's legislative response to the Me Too movement. Kate, we've just passed the second anniversary of the dawn of the Me Too movement involving sexual harassment claims in the workplace. What are the most important new laws in California aimed at responding to these types of claims? Tony, we are definitely seeing a lot of legislation, both that went into effect on January 1 of 2019 and also legislation that has been passed that will go into effect in January of 2020. And there's a lot of focus on, I would say, three things that really go to a reaction to the hashtag MeToo movement. That would be really restrictions on confidentiality of allegations involving sexual harassment. There's also quite a few laws that extend the statute of limitations for bringing these kinds of claims and also an effort to restrict arbitration. For example, last year in 2019, we saw the passage of Senate Bill 1300, and that prohibits an employer from requiring any employee to sign a document which denies the employee the right to disclose information about unlawful acts in the workplace. So a lot of employers had to take a look at their executive contracts and see how to manage their non-disparagement clauses to make sure that they were not running afoul of SB 1300. A similar law was also passed called the Stand Act, which prohibits confidentiality or non-disclosure in settlement agreements. And those that law prevents employers from requiring employees to keep secret factual allegations relating to sexual misconduct. So that had a big impact on how sexual harassment cases are being settled. And it's important to note that that only applies to claims that were actually filed in court or in an agency. Similarly, um, there were or laws that extended the statute of limitations for bringing these kinds of claims, the most striking of which really is going into effect January 1 of 2020, which is called AB 9. And instead of having one year to bring a claim in the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, for discrimination or harassment, the claimant now has three years to bring that claim. And as you know, that means that an employer might not actually see a civil claim in court until four years after the employee has been terminated or has accrued that claim. Is that because the employee will have one year after that three-year period and after receipt of the right to sue letter to file a civil action? Yes, that's exactly right. And that's the same as the law has always been, but in the past, time was much more condensed because you had to file your claim within a year in the agency. So we were not seeing claims four years later. Kate, you mentioned that there are also new restrictions involving arbitration. What are those? Well, we're going to see in January 1, 2020, the effect of AB 51, which was passed, and that prohibits an employer from requiring an applicant or an employee to consent to an arbitration clause. And that type of legislation has been rattling around in the legislature for some time, but has never been passed until now. And what the law says is that it's not intended to invalidate a written arbitration agreement that is enforceable under the Federal Arbitration Act. So um, we may have some challenges to that law because, again, most employers, if they are involved in interstate commerce, are going to be able to invoke the FAA. What's your prediction about the longevity of AB 51 in terms of its ability to survive a challenge under the Federal Arbitration Act? 
We have a lot of really good precedent from the United States Supreme Court, both in the last probably year and two years that has supported the enforcement of arbitration agreements against all kinds of challenges, including the enforcement of class action waivers and the inability to bring class arbitrations unless the agreement is very clear that that's the case. So I think that there will be a lot of federal court and Supreme Court precedent to use to overcome any type of restriction that the state law is trying to impose on enforcement of arbitration where interstate commerce is involved. Isn't it the case that the state of New York also passed, I believe in 2018, a law that purported to limit, if not exclude, arbitrability of these kinds of claims and that the state law was struck down by a federal court judge earlier this year in 2019? Yes, that's true. So we have a really good model in New York, and there was some similar activity in Kentucky as well. So this will not be the first time a state law restricting arbitration has been challenged. There are only so many hours in the day, so it's unclear how much time the U.S. Supreme Court can devote to correcting some of these issues uh, under California law, but we'll have to stay tuned to see what happens next in that regard. Thank you all for joining us on the Proskauer Brief today. Stay tuned for more insights on the latest hot topics in labor and employment law, and be sure to follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play.